So beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that, Caleb and Jane. I love the last line of that song. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That we are offering our hearts to God this morning is what God desires most. So I invite you to pause with me as we begin to open the word of God to invite God to speak. Our Jesus, oh Lord, thank you so much for your presence that is in this place. I thank you for each person that you have drawn here today, those who are here in person and those who are watching right now, that we would be knit together as one community of believers opening up your word. Holy Spirit, speak now, we pray. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. This week I played a game with my kids that reminded me of when I was a kid and even into high school, actually, we would like to play this game. Uh, it was the sour face game or the pucker face game. Have you ever played that? You put something in your mouth and you try to keep a straight face while what's in your mouth would cause you to normally pucker. Have you ever played that before, anyone? We were just cracking up, it was funny. I was just like, I, I was putting this stuff in my mouth and I was trying to keep a straight face. Ava was doing better than I was. She was like, and then I'm like, <laughs> just can't. Josiah's always been good at that too. He was the little kid at one and a half who could stick a whole piece of lemon in his mouth and keep a straight face. Just keeping it stoic, even though on the inside you want to just go, you know? Have you ever had that feeling where just you, you know it at the moment, but you're doing it anyway? You're letting people know how you feel on your face. And you know you are, whether it's anger or irritation, a pucker or a smile, you know that you're letting people know what you're going through by your face. And then others, you keep it really stoic and you can't really tell. And, Masks and sunglasses and hats really help because you can definitely not see what's going on. Paul is writing this personal letter to the Philippians, this church that he established with his heart. And he chooses not to keep it stoic. He chooses not to try to keep a straight face with them or a stiff upper lip, as we say. He chooses to share his heart. He chooses to share what's really going on and let them in. And it turns out that as he actually shares, it ends up being the greater level of encouragement in order to, to, to bless them. He shares his real life. There's not many places that we actually allow ourselves to do that. We pass by in the hallway and what are the acceptable answers? Oh, I'm good, I'm fine, or I'm tired. But would you let someone know what's really going on? Would you or I, like Paul, let someone know what's happening? He is in chains. He's in house arrest. He is confined. He's not able to do what he wants to do. And yet, because they really know the real story of what he's going through, he is able to bring them even more encouragement. Let's turn to that section of Philippians. Philippians chapter one is where we find ourselves. Philippians chapter one, and we're starting today in verse 12. 
it's kind of astounding that in the face of all that Paul is going through, that this is the letter where he mentions joy or rejoicing more than any other letter. Turns out, being honest about what we're going through, we find strength in God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It's true, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerity, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I continue to rejoice, for I know through your prayers and God's provision of the Holy Spirit, of Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul says that he has come to such a place as this, that what I went through, what I experienced, the very hardships are serving a meta purpose, the advancement of the gospel, and that is enough for me, Paul says. Yes, all this has happened, and I'm gonna just give you a little insight into all that's happened, we're gonna look at that in a moment, but it has served a larger purpose, Paul says. Let's turn to his suffering, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 for just a moment, 2 Corinthians 11, this is what Paul has gone through, and it's just a small taste because there's even more, but 2 Corinthians 11, 24, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. I want you to think about these for a moment. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. These are not light hardships. This is not light toil. And yet Paul says all of this, including my present circumstance, which is in house arrest, has served for the advancement of the gospel. A, a colleague of mine, Dr. A. Allen Martin said, at some point of this passage, at some point your triggers become triumphs. At some point the list that you make of all that you've gone through, which at some point caused you deep pain to even mention, becomes a list that you point to to declare the excellency of God. Because the one who brought you out of darkness so you could shine with his marvelous light is the one that led you through it. And so at some point, your loss, at some point, you losing that job or that divorce or that pain or that suffering that you went through 
becomes a triumph. At some point, it won't have the sting that it has right now. When you're overwhelmed, when you're in the midst of it, zoom out. Paul didn't have that phrase at the time, but I think he would have said it. Kids do it automatically. If I handed my, my phone to Tommy right now and said, look at this picture, he would do probably what my kids do immediately. They're like, oh, hmm. And then to which someone else sitting next to them of a different age says, oh, it does that. Ooh, I love it. Because it's like this intuitive thing that they have, but we're zoomed in on our lives. And it's like Paul says, zoom out a bit. Look at the bigger picture, the advancement of the gospel. All this, all this hardship, all this pain, it's working out for the advancement of the gospel. There is a greater purpose, he says, when you're in the midst of it, when you're overwhelmed. If you happen to be in a season or a place where you're wondering what's gonna happen with your kids, when you're wondering what's gonna happen with your family, with your work, zoom out and see where it fits in the bigger story. Second Corinthians 5.19, Paul says, is a bit of the bigger story. For in Christ, he is reconciling the entire world to himself not counting people's sins against them, but drawing them to himself. This is the biggest picture of what God is doing here. They were challenged, these other believers in Philippi and other places were challenged to be as courageous as Paul because they saw how he went through his suffering. You, I guarantee it, have inspired someone by how you went through what you went through or by how you're going through what you're going through. We give each other courage. I could not find any photographic evidence of what I'm about to tell you. I searched this week, but I did find the company that Caleb and I went to and experienced this at. So you're gonna see someone else doing what I'm talking about. Caleb and I love to be outside. We love to hike and do all this stuff. But back before we had kids too, we would always just like include these little adventure pieces just to say we've done them. So like, Zip lining was fun, but then they would throw in these bonuses on zip lines that you could do like a Tarzan jump, and it was only 20 bucks if you were already paying for the zip line tour. And it's like, sure, or the Superman jump, or the whatever. And did I want to do that? No, the answer is no. I never wanted to leave the platform or the ground, but I could say that I did it. Like, as I bungee jumped in college, I was like, I will tell a story about this later. And then I jump, I just, no other reason. I didn't want to, no. Um, So that face from the same company that we did it, that face about sums up my own. Because it's not much for some of you. You would have actually chosen and you would do it again and again, not just to say you did it. I know some of you, you you would love it. But it was 146 meters and you just jump down and feel this free fall and, and hope it catches you. But Caleb had already gone, and they're like working their way through all these people. And this one person that was like super, just like didn't want to do it, um, did it. And came, he came over to me and he was like, you can do it. Go do it. And I said, was that fun? He goes, not at all. Go do it. And I was like, okay, well, that's a winning endorsement. And so I climbed up there and I did it. I, I think a bit 
of the believers around Paul, like I think they had a bit of that experience because Paul's like, yeah, I, I got 40 lashes minus one. I was beaten and the Gentiles and my own people and like all of this trouble. And then he's like, all of that. And they're like, was that good? I mean, no, but for the advancement of the gospel, do it. And so it's like these believers gain courage from what he does, just like I gained courage from the person who went before me. Have you ever had that experience that someone else does it and you're like, okay, I can do it now. Someone takes the risk and is vulnerable. Someone shares honestly. Someone shows up real in a small group of believers studying the Bible and suddenly others are willing to do the same. There's courage in following other people. And so Paul says, I'm in chains because of the gospel and you know what? It's serving for their good because people are showing more courage because of what I've been through. And so he's seeing that it's worth it. I heard someone say this too, I never want to lose my child. I would have never wanted to lose my child, but because of the ministry that I have to others who have lost their children, I've found meaning and purpose beyond what I could have thought. Would I wanna go through it? No. But I've been able to be there for some pretty amazing miracles of healing because of what God has done through me. They found courage whether it's the Tarzan jump or sharing your faith, people going before us make a difference. These verses, 15 to 18, are in perfect prose. And Paul, as he's writing this, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, the former. He does this entire buildup and the language is intricate as he writes in this letter. But the punchline, the buildup to the point would have been unexpected to them. As they're listening, as he's comparing those who are for him and those who are against him, it comes this startling conclusion. At the end of the day, those who oppose Paul personally are still accomplishing what Paul wants ultimately, and that is that they preach Christ. This is really amazing. This is a rebuke on multiple fronts. First of all, you see Paul's attention and energy is in this meta place. We get down to the micro and we think about all these things that are happening and Paul says there's something bigger going on. He's determined that he's going to focus his energy on that bigger place, that Christ is preached. And then second, it shows the clear role of the preacher. That it's not the person who preaches or even their ambition or their motive. It's the very gospel, the good news of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that accompanies the gospel that matters most. Those who are preaching Christ out of goodwill and love recognize something fundamental, that it was because of that very message of love that Paul was in chains. That it was very, very much because of the defense of the gospel. That, that Jesus, that God was actually using the advancement of the gospel, this moment, this foolishness to advance the gospel, just like the foolishness of the cross demonstrated the power to save. Now, Paul does talk about in other letters about those who are preaching a false gospel or not speaking truly about Christ, and that is different. He cares about what is preached. But here he's saying that if you have bad motives, if you're full of envy, if you're full of yourself and attempting to stir up trouble, what matters most is that you're still preaching Christ, still the enduring message of the gospel. I've had people tell me that before. I don't know if I can do that with pure motives. And I, my answer is none of us can. But Jesus shines. 
This is just decades after Christ and what you already see is the human character. The human character, envy and strife and all of these ways of trying to build ourselves up. People are treating Paul poorly. They're trying to mess things up for him and even make it harder for him while he's in chains and look at how he responds. He gives God praise. He says these amazing things here. What matters more to me is that Jesus Christ is preached. Sometimes we discover these things intentionally by going through what we're going through and sometimes we just discover them by going through it, never realizing or noticing what God is doing. I love looking up how things were discovered. You know, a lot of the things that we use every day were not discovered on purpose. They were setting out to do something else and then they found out, oh, super glue, haha, <laughs> there it is. And then years later they patented and they just, you know, make a discovery. One of our stories in our history as a Seventh-day Adventist church is of Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. He was a vegetarian and he also followed the nutrition uh, advice of Sylvester Graham, who invented Graham crackers. But in 1894, while he was employed at Battle Creek Sanitarium in Berrien Springs, I mean Battle Creek, Michigan, Berrien Springs is on my brain this week, he began experimenting with ways to lead people to a really great breakfast that was palatable but also inexpensive. So he left some boiled wheat unattended. And he was attempting to salvage it, so him and his brother Will rolled it out and they started tearing it, and he's like, this doesn't hold its shape. And he said, well, let's try toasting it. So they toasted it, and he said, well, this is okay. They tried it with corn, and they kept experimenting, and they toasted these corn flakes. Have you ever heard of them? It's kind of like an odd thing, right? Corn flakes, it didn't exist then, but he ended up making this new product from something that was completely discovered by accident. Cornflakes, revolutionizing the breakfast industry. He did not expect what they would find. The one thing is, when we're in the midst of situations, we can just try to make the best of it, right? We can just try to focus and get through it and just try to make the best of whatever it is we're going through. But Paul didn't just make the best of a bad situation. He actually saw the positive, like stale wheat rolled out and toasted, becoming something that revolutionized an industry. Paul said, actually, this is the best for the advancement of the gospel. If Paul was looking at his life, he was going through it, he was saying, my entire life, this isn't just like about the glass being half full instead of half empty. God is actually working through this situation right now. Paul had the ability to see the meta-narrative that he was discovering in the midst of it, that this stale, unattended, boiled wheat could change the lives of the Kellogg brothers. He says in verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and through God's provision of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul moves from close to far. He says, my chains have a greater purpose for the good of the gospel, for the palace guard that is watching how this is impacting my faith and my life, for the other believers who are now courageous in their proclamation, in their living. And then he says, even good for me. Yes, this very thing will turn out for my 
deliverance, he says. These very chains, this very confinement, this very hardship, this very struggle, God is using for my deliverance. Mark Brenner says, Paul had found through hardship a new purpose for living even as he was dying to do it. He wanted to live it out. Yet sometimes we can feel like we don't know what's happening in our lives. Sometimes we can feel like, God, what are you doing? What decision should I be making in the face of this? What should be going on right now? There's something God keeps teaching me. As I pray, as I seek God, God whispers, I care about your decisions. I care about your life, but not in the way that you think. More than the specific choices that you make, what I care about is your surrender. I care far more about what I'm forming in you, what I'm working for your salvation, that you trust me more, that you love me more at the end of the day. What I care more about is you. God is looking at what is being formed in you. And just like the farmer who was walking along planting potatoes, he had his young son right there and they were going along the rows planting the potatoes. Sometimes he would reach in and turn so the eye of the potato was looking up and the boy would help him place another one there and they would turn it and they did this and they walked along and finally the neighbor that was watching could not contain himself anymore. He had to blurt out his advice. You know, it's gonna take you a long time going at that pace. You better do it yourself. Be faster if you just did it yourself. And the farmer looks up and he said, that is true, but I'm raising more than potatoes. And I can imagine the God of all the universe saying that about us. When we get impatient with just finish the work here, God, just let the good news go forth, just let this be completed. And God says, I'm raising more than just this kingdom advancement, this harvest that we're so excited about. I'm forming you. I'm transforming your character, the depth of your love, your trust in me. I care about your transformation, God says. Yes, God cares about the work we're doing. God cares about the baptisms and the Bible studies and the beauty of all that's happening, but God also cares about what's happening among us. What kind of community are we? What kind of person are you? God is looking at our transformation and Paul says, I know that these chains are not just good for the palace guard, or the advancement of the gospel. They're not just good for the palace guard, they're not just good for the other believers who are gaining courage, but they will be good for me too. Because God is working this out for my deliverance. He zooms out instead of zooming in. And he says, there's a bigger picture. There's a greater purpose. God is about the kind of people we are becoming. Remember Philippians 1.6, that the one who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. The God who started this thing with you and me is gonna take it all the way. We are people focused on what God is sowing and growing in the world, the gospel moving forward. And like Paul, we can say, even these chains are being used. We can rejoice even in this. So this morning I wanna ask you, what is God growing in you? Are there ways that you might be at this moment needing to zoom out? Perhaps you're even more focused on your own comfort 
than the gospel right now? What is God doing in and through your chains, whatever it is you're facing right now? God wants to be with you and abide with you and like Paul, to lift our perspective, to lift up our eyes from where we are right now. If you don't remember anything else, if you don't remember anything else from what was said this morning, in order to see the joy in your life, zoom out. In order to see the joy, zoom out. Take the picture that's not just the tree, but the forest. Zoom out. When you're in pain, step back. Take a wider perspective. Go meta on this thing. This, yes, even this is working out for my deliverance. Yes, even this, even in this, even in the backstabbing of someone that you knew and trusted, even in this pain, even in this which seems like a detour from all that you had hoped or dreamed of, there is a greater purpose. God invites us to reorient our lives around the bigger picture of what God is doing. I'm wondering maybe, Jane, could you just play for a moment? And I'm wondering if you could just take a moment in quiet before we move forward to just hear from God. Is there one thing, one particular place in your life right now that God wants to shift your perspective? Something that might be overwhelming you right now and God wants to just pull you back and give you a bigger view. I just wanna give you a moment in quiet to hear from God, asking God right now that you would reorient our lives, our focus, Spirit, as we linger just one more moment longer, just ask that you would speak to our hearts right now about the very situations that we are facing here. Give us a renewed perspective that would lead to joy. reflection as we sing this closing song together and I invite you to continue to allow the spirit to lead you to where God wants you to go.